stopped the last Sunday in Acts chapter number 5 and verse number 11. So we'll move on tonight to verse number 12. And just to remind us of where we were last uh, Sunday night when we met together. Uh, we said in Acts chapter number 5 we have the story of Ananias and his wife Sapphira. And at this time in the days of the early church, they are all in one accord trying to help each other to make sure that nobody has any need. And as a result of helping one another and providing the needs for one another, they were selling possessions and they were bringing those offerings or the gifts, the monies from those possessions and laying them at the apostles' feet. And then the apostles were taking those that had been given and they were distributing them. Well, Ananias and Sapphira, again, the Bible doesn't tell us why they choose to lie, but they sell a possession and then they have the responsibility to do whatever the church has to do whatever they want with that. But they choose to keep back part of it and lie to Peter and say that they had brought all of what they had collected or gathered from that selling of that possession at the feet of Peter. And he asked them the question, why have you, asked Ananias, why have you lied to the Holy Ghost to keep back part of this? He said, when it was yours, you had the right to do whatever you wanted, but not to lie to the Holy Spirit. And Ananias was, had, had, was die, died as a result of that. There was a punishment. There was judgment from the Lord. And then a space of a few hours later, his wife came in, not knowing exactly what had happened to Ananias. Again, we read this in the first part of Acts chapter 5. The question is asked to her as well, and she uh, lies as well, conspiring uh, together with one another to uh, do this uh, deceitful uh, act. And uh, she uh, dies as well. And the Bible says there in verse number 11, as we left off last week, great fear came upon the church and as many as heard uh, the things that had been told there of Ananias and Sapphira. And so when we left off last week, 12, as we finished there last uh, Sunday night on verse number 11, we said that, that sin had to be dealt with and sin was dealt with. We see the judgment of God here at the very beginning of Acts chapter number 5. As a result of sin being dealt with, it opened up a way to see God's blessings. And there's where we're going to pick up in verse number 12. We're going to get to see God's, hands of, God's hand of blessing and His power now again on the earth because sin had been dealt with. Again, when we left off last week, I told you that it reminds me of the story of Achan in the book of Joshua. They were to go into the land of Jericho and destroy the entire city of Jericho. And not take of anything. But remember, Achan took of the accursed thing. He hid it in his tent. And God did not bless or give them victory over Ai until it was dealt with. But then, once it was dealt with, God blessed again. We saw God's power. Children of Israel, back in the book of Joshua. And so, in the early book of Acts, or excuse me, in the early chapters of the book of Acts. I know we've been studying, of course, on Sunday nights. And we've dealt with the early chapters here. We, we started to see a pattern. to see a cycle that was taking place. And I think we really need to, in our minds, go back to what we had said about that pattern to be able to see what happens now as we transition into verse number 12. Remember, we told you that the pattern, the cycle that we were seeing was prayer. They would pray and they would talk to the Lord. And as a result of that prayer, they would get to see God's power. And then God's power would move in such a special way that they would get up and they would begin to preach. Results would come as uh, they would preach the word of God. And many, again, were added to the church. Many result of that and that's when the persecution would come so they would spend time in prayer and see God's powers they preach the word of God and then persecution would come and then after that persecution would take place they would return restoring of God's blessings and see a restoring of God's power 
Well, in verse 1 through verse number 11 of chapter number 5, we see an internal problem in the church. Here, this situation with Ananias. His Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, had been quenched. They had put out the fire of God's Holy Spirit because they had lied to the Holy Spirit of God. And the Bible tells us that God gives great judgment for them. And verse 11, out of that great fear comes. And so our perception of God can oftentimes be shaped as we see the judgment of God. If you think of that in the early church, their perception of God was being shaped as they were seeing God's judgment. As they were seeing what had happened with Ananias and Sapphira, great fear comes upon them. God is a holy God. He's a pure God. He's a just God. He is a righteous God. And He works and His power is upon his children, as they are walking in righteousness. Well, at the first part of Acts chapter 5, there were, there were, there's the story again of Ananias and Sapphira as they were not walking in righteousness. And so judgment had to take place. But the power returns here in verse number 12. And so I want us to notice three thoughts here in our message tonight in Acts chapter number 5. And we'll start in verse number 12. I want us to notice the power returns to the church. The power returns to the church. I want you to notice several things that we can see from verse 12 through verse number 16 that show us the power of God returning to His church. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 12, and then we'll skip verse 13 and 14 and look down at verse 15 and 16. I want us to notice that God begins to show His power through miracles that He allows these apostles to perform. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 12. It says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Now we're going to concentrate on the first part of that verse. And then we'll get to the second part here in just a minute. But God gives special power, uh, really a specific gift of miracles and healings to these apostles. Skip verse 13 and 14. Look at verse number 15. Look at God's power in the midst of these apostles. It says, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. How many? Look at the end of the verse. Everyone. Everyone was healed. God's power has returned to the church. Apostles given this specific gift of healing. Now, can I say a few things about this spe specific gift of miracles or healings that the apostles were given here that we read about in Acts chapter 15? First of all, first and foremost, perhaps, so that we're not confused by this, I believe, as I read through the Word of God, this was a temporary gift that was given. So it's not a gift that we would be able to have a, a, a spiritual gift that God would give to us today that we would be able to heal or work miracles. But God did give this temporary gift in the lives of the apostles, uh, this specific gift of healing. Now, they were only able to perform these miracles as God worked through them. We have to make sure we remember that. It wasn't their own power that enabled them to perform these miracles, these signs and wonders that he talks about, which really is just a way of saying miracles that are being performed there. It wasn't anything of their own strength. It was God that was working through them. He was being empowered by God. 
it wasn't something great and mighty that was in the lives of the apostles that allowed its power upon them. It reminds me of uh, the Good News Club. Uh, a couple, uh, I guess it was. We uh, taught the lesson in the book of Daniel. We're going through the book of Daniel right now. And the reason I bring this up is because really it's a parallel thought to what we're talking about here in Acts chapter number 5. We, we've been going through this, the story of Daniel and kind of really just started on it. We talked about how, those, how Daniel and the three Hebrew boys were taken to, into captivity there in Babylon. And then, remember, as we turn to the early part of the book of Daniel, remember, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he calls in the magicians and he says, I'm not going to talk to you about the dream. I just want you to interpret the dream. Tell me what the dream was all about. Tell me uh, and interpret it for me. And because they couldn't do it, he wanted to put them to death. But Daniel, remember, asked for a little bit of time. And the Bible tells that Daniel dreams that dream himself and then he's able to give the interpretation of it. But he right away lets the king know it's not about anything special I've done. But he said, it's God that has worked through me. He has given me the power to interpret this dream. Daniel says, in and of myself. But it's God working in and through me. And so the same thing applies here to these miracles. It was as God was empowering them that they were able to do this. What was the reason behind it or what was the purpose of these miracles? Well, it would validate teaching and their preaching and the message of the gospel. Now you say, okay, well, well then why would we say that these things have ceased today and we're not able to do this today? Well, as they are performing miracles, really we would consider this at time in which the New Testament had not been completed yet. So the entire scripture had not been completed. And so God was using this to validate, to be able to, uh, uh, help, to help to validate their teaching and their preaching and the message that they would give of the gospel. Now, you say, okay, so, so we would ask, well, what does that today? Well, we've got the Word of God, don't we? And so we've got the power of Scripture that we can go to today that validates the preaching of God's Word and validates the, preaching of, the teaching of God's Word and helps to, us to understand the message of the Gospel. So there was a purpose behind all of this. And then there was one more purpose behind it to confirm fact that they had these could take place is because of God uh, using their lives God had sent them to uh, uh, to preach the word of God and empowering them now to perform these miracles now I want to take you to a verse please keep your uh, page or your Bible open there in the book of Acts chapter 5 but look with me if you would at John chapter 10 I want us to actually go to an account of the miracles of Jesus for a moment now remember, uh, the apostles, they're performing miracles, but remember in the earth, early, early uh, excuse me, the earthly ministry of Jesus, he was performing miracles, wasn't he? And uh, there were purposes behind why he did the miracles he would do as well. Uh, by the way, I often think about this when I think about the miracles of Jesus and the teaching ministry of Jesus. Greatest teacher that ever walked on the face of the earth, right? Greatest miracle worker that ever walked on the face of the earth. But those two reasons weren't, were not even the reasons he came. He came to die for us, didn't he? But think about all the miracles, though, that he performed in his earthly ministry. And it says in John chapter 10, and look at verse number 25, it says this. Jesus answered, I told you and ye believed not. Now, I used my mouth to speak these things to you, but you believed not. So now notice what he says. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Hey, there's a purpose behind why I do what I do. These miracles, these works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me. They are able to validate the fact that I am God, Son of God, right here on earth. And the miracles that he performed to be able to help those 
know and understand that he's performing the works of God because he is God. Now back to our passage, we were talking about the power returned on the early church. They began to work miracles. You'll notice several things about the verses that we read there, verse 12 and then verse number 15 and verse number 16. Remember, in Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, we saw the act of judgment that God had to perform, Ananias and Sapphira. So the act of judgment takes place at the start of this chapter, but then we get to see the many acts of God's mercy here in the passage that follows. As a matter of fact, we know that it was many acts of mercy. God is a merciful God. Many acts of mercy because of what it says. Look at verse number 12 again, if you would. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought. Many signs and wonders were wrought. Many acts of miracle, of, of mercy. So God, again, an act of judgment at the start of the chapter, but the power is now returning in the church. And God gets to show his mercy real to his people and those that are in the early church. But then I want us to notice another word that we find in verse number 12. Look again, it says, And by the hands of the apostles, these signs and wonders wrought. Now notice the next word. Among the people. These were things that were not done in private, but they were done for all to see. And so because of that crowd of individuals that had gathered there in the city of Jerusalem, all of these miracles that they were getting to see, they were able, it was able to reveal God's power and His presence that was real to those people. As a matter of fact, look at verse number 15 again. We, we uh, talked about verse, we read verse 15 a moment ago. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. God's power is, and His presence is being displayed in a supernatural way through even the life of Peter. So as these many signs and miracles or, or uh, signs and, and wonders are being performed, these miracles amongst the people for all to see, God's power and his presence is being revealed and then in a supernatural way through the life of Peter as well. Now look at verse number 12 again if you would. I want us to notice, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Now notice the end of the verse, because we're going to notice the second reason why the power has The second reason why the power has returned, look at this. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. I told you we'd come back to that part. The power has now returned because of the spirit of unity. Now the spirit of unity was lost when there was division with Ananias and Sapphira. Try, lying to the Holy Spirit and... Uh, trying to, in, in hypocrisy, uh, uh, presenting what they had brought to the apostles' feet, really in, in a way of lying to the Holy Spirit. I want us to notice a we're seeing in the early church as far as the spirit of unity. Look at uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 14. Let's uh, journey through these first couple chapters we've already looked through for, just for a moment. Uh, chapter 1, verse 14, look at this. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Now, this is when they're waiting in Jerusalem. Remember, God, Jesus has told them before he ascended, I want you to wait in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit's going to come. So they're all in one accord waiting. Then look, look at chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. There is a spirit of unity. They're all in one accord in one place. And by the way, this is the time, of course, when the Holy Spirit comes and uh, uh, comes down on them in chapter number 2. Look at chapter 2 at the end of the chapter, verse number 46. 
It says, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking a bread from house to house did eat their meat with single, excuse me, with gladness and singleness of heart. They're in one accord. Look at chapter 4, verse 32. The end of chapter 4, I know we've moved into chapter 5, but look at uh, chapter uh, 4, verse number 32. It says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. There is a, there's a spiritual unity there, right? Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. It's not about me. It's not about a selfishness but, or a pride. It's about the humility and the selflessness of giving what, uh, up of what, what I have so that others' needs can be met. Notice the end of verse number 32. Uh, uh, it says this, which, uh, I'm sorry, but they had all things common. Now, can I say this? One of the things that will hinder the power of God on a church is when a church is divided, when there is division. I had a lady that came in to talk to me a little bit this week. And uh, she talked to me, uh, and, and not, not going into too much detail about the, uh, the, the subject that was talked about, but uh, she uh, not, doesn't go to our church here, but uh, just was asking for some wisdom and some counsel with some things. And one of the statements that she made, she said, one of the things that I want to make sure do, she said, I don't want to sow discord. You know, God says that we're not to get to a place where we'd ever sow discord amongst the brethren. But we'd always have that spiritual unity that spiritual oneness about us. That's what God desires. And one of the ways to hinder the power of God in our lives is when our church is divided. We will not see God's full power. Let's live with a spirit of unity, a sweet spirit as we serve the Lord in one accord. That's why the power came back. But then look at another reason why we know the power had come back. Look at verse number 14. It says, and believers, now this is chapter 5 again now, verse 14, and believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes both of men and women the power was shown through the fact that many were believing and by the way because of what had happened with Ananias and Sapphira there was a separation as well look up at verse number 13 let's notice what happens here it says and of the rest durst no man join himself to them but the people magnified them the unsaved individuals who are described in verse number 13 as the rest and of the rest those that were unsaved, deterred by the fate of Ananias and Sapphira. Think about what had just experienced that Ananias and Sapphira had gone through. Again, remember, great on all those that had heard these things. And they were deterred by the fate of Ananias and Sapphira from uniting them with the church under false pretenses. They saw what happened to Ananias and Sapphira because of hypocrisy. And so they, they, it deterred them from joining up with the church under false pretenses. Notice again what it says in verse 13. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them. So God's power had returned on the church. And as a result of that, there was a separation of those that believed and those that were unbelievers. But then the I want us to notice about Acts chapter 5 and the portion of Scripture that we're looking at tonight. Not only the power returned to the church... But number two, I want you to notice that the persecution rises against Remember, there's prayer, then there's power, and, and it seems to be then a pattern of persecution that takes place. So God's power was working again, and so that caused an uproar, and now persecution rises 
against the church again. Look at verse number 17, if you would. We'll notice what happens with this persecution. It says, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. Number one, in verse number 17, we see the high priest is angry. This opposition that was being faced here was organized by the Sanhedrin. Remember, we had already talked about the Sanhedrin a little bit when we were back in chapter number 3 after the lame man that was at the gate, beautiful, was healed. The Sanhedrin comes together and they don't like what they're seeing. They don't like this miracle that's been worked there in chapter number 3. And so persecution starts as it's organized by the Sanhedrin there. Remember, that was the 71 member Jewish court of law that would meet together and decisions were made by the Sanhedrin and they're facing this opposition that was organized by the Sanhedrin by the Sanhedrin and then the Bible says in verse placed into prison now they've already had to go through this haven't they we read about this as we kind of entered into chapter number four we talked about how that they have been placed in prison so they've already gone through these challenges and this persecution but look with me if you would at verse number 18 and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Now they're placed in a prison for what they had done. Now, a, a that has been using much, uh, really, as we've talked about the early church, the persecution they've had to go through. But I want to read it again. It's in 1 Peter chapter number 4 because I want us to continually be mindful of what 1 Peter chapter 4 says as we study what's happening here in the early church. Verse number 12 and then verse number 13 it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice. Man, I, I, you know, as we study through the book of, of Acts, you, you notice the fact that they're rejoicing in the midst of these times of persecution that they go through. We know that the Bible talks about, and we'll, we'll see it later as we study through, talks about how that they're, 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 uh, they're placed in a prison, they've got the stocks on them, and they're, and they're singing and, and praising the Lord. They're rejoicing as they go through these times of persecution. Persecution rising against the church again. Look at the end of the verse. It says, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. He suffered for us, right? What makes us think we won't have times in which we'll have to suffer for him? By the way, I said it this morning. And, we'll, and by the way, we're going to say it in just a moment here in the message because it comes out in the message this evening as well. We need to take a stand. We talked this morning about being uh, steadfast and unmovable. Don't let, don't, don't, don't let uh, things around us easily move us. Let's take a stand for Jesus. As the choir sang this morning, let's be strong in the Lord. Let's take a stand for Him. Let's not uh, be uh, cowards and, and lose our courage uh, when others around us are giving in to uh, things that are in this world around us. Let's take a stand for Jesus. And so we see that Jesus had to go through suffering. The end of the verse says this, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Oh, it, it, isn't it amazing to think about the joy, joy that comes from persecution, joy that comes from these trials. The anger, we see how they were put into prison. Can I say this, I guess by way of an application or a truth today, aren't you thankful for the freedoms that we have? today I think about the early church and the challenges that they had to face that we've already read about and really only on chapter 5 of the book of Acts all the challenges they had to go through and the persecution they had to face aren't you thankful today for freedoms that we have that we can meet together here tonight on a Sunday evening and, and evening service and be able to meet together and have the, the God open on our we, we, we have we have missionaries and, I, and I've talked to you about this before we have missionaries that from this 
pulpit, we would never be able to say their name because we wouldn't want it to go out on a, on a live stream of any sort because they could lose the opportunity to be a missionary where they're at because of persecutions that take place. Aren't you thankful for the freedoms that we have, that we can worship the Lord and to be faithful to Him while we have opportunities and then faithful when perhaps even the trials come. So I want us to notice number three tonight in Acts chapter number five. We talked about the power that returned to the church, the persecution that rises against the church. But the last thing tonight we're going to notice in the last few verses here of this text in chapter 5 that we'll uh, take a break from tonight. I want us to notice number three, the proclamation received from the Lord. The proclamation received from the Lord. So first of all, we see the, the power that returns. Rises, but then the proclamation that is received. Look at this, what happens in verse number 19. I want you to notice number one, God's divine intervention. God intervenes. Aren't you thankful you have a God that intervenes? And when you need him, he's there to help you, isn't he? And that's exactly what happens in this passage. God's divine intervention. Look at verse number 19. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors. Oh, they're there in the prison at night. Priest has gotten angry, all this that's being organized by the Sanhedrin, but God intervenes, doesn't he? And the prison doors are open, and notice what it says, and brought them forth. He brings them out of that prison. Here's what we could say in simple words to describe what happened in verse number 19. God stepped in, didn't he? God stepped in. God intervened. The spread of the gospel cannot be stopped. That's what we're seeing in Acts chapter 5, aren't we? Remember there is, uh, verse 14, there were many that believed. As a result of that, there's great indignation in the high priest. He puts him into prison. But the spread of the gospel cannot be stopped. The spread of the word, the word of God cannot be stopped. Aren't you thankful for that great truth today? You, you've probably noticed that as we've read some of our missionary letters. Of, of these missionaries that are going through such... Uh, times of turmoil, and yet they still write about the way that God is still able to open doors and use them and give them avenues to continue to spread. And even those missionary letters that we can't read uh, publicly, again, in, in, in a setting where, where uh, uh, it would be uh, uh, not wise for us to do it here from the pulpit, uh, they're on our board back in the back, and you can see the way that God is using the lives of individuals, even in... Uh, places where there may be some turmoil, there may be some trials they have to go through. God steps in, the word of God, the spreading of the word of God doesn't stop. Here's another miracle that God does again to validate the message, to validate the preaching and the teaching of these apostles that the one who really is in control is almighty God. Oh, the high priest and the Sanhedrin might come together and they might grab a hold of them, they might put them in prison, but God is the one who's ultimately in control. So we saw number one, we saw divine intervention, but to finish our message tonight, I want us to look at verse number 20 and I want us to notice God's specific commission. God gives a specific commission that have been taken, that have been freed from prison and I want you to notice this specific commission he gives to them. Would you look at verse number 20? He says these words. It says at the end of verse number 19, and said, Temple to the people, all the words of this 
the commission that God gives. And as we read this commission that God gives to these apostles, would you tonight apply this to your life? Let's apply this to our lives. Let's apply this to our families. Let's apply this to our church tonight as we're entering in to the year of 2023 and we're desiring to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Notice the commission that he gives to the apostles. He gives it in the form of a few words here that we want to take and we want to look at. Verse number 20, look at the first word, go. That's the commission, go. We are to go, aren't we? The Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel. Hey, this message is so important, we've got to tell it to everyone, don't we? Go into all the world. So we've been given that commission, haven't we? To go, but then look at the second word if you would. He says, stand. Now I told you I'd come back to that. We need to stand for the things of the Lord. We talked about that again this morning as we talked about standing for the Lord and being steadfast and being unmovable, not easily shaken or swayed or to be firm in our beliefs and firm in our convictions and what we know to be true according to the Word of God. So look with me if you would at a passage of Scripture. I quoted a little bit of this this morning, but I want to look at it tonight in, in the final part of our message here tonight. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm sure you're going to be very familiar with this passage because it speaks to the, uh, to the, uh, for, uh, excuse me, to the armor of God. But look at what it says in verse number 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Verse number 11, Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're to stand. We've got armor that helps us to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. And then he gives us the pieces of armor that we have. He says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, the belt of truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shoes of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Listen, let's not equip ourselves as Christians less than we have the power or ability to equip ourselves. God says, I've given you armor. And we understand this is invisible. It's not real armor we put on. We understand all of that. We're a soldier of the Lord, aren't we? So he's given to us armor that we can put on. Not just a few pieces. He wants to put on all of those pieces. And may it be a daily putting on so that we can stand in this world. Oh, stand. And then look at the last word there in verse number 20. Go, stand, and speak. Go, stand, and speak. What are the words they are supposed to speak? What are they to go and stand and speak in the temple. And notice the words they are to speak in verse number 20. To the people, all the words of this life. You're to give out the words of this life. You're to give out the message that they need to hear. And then notice verse 21, and we'll, we'll finish here. We're not going to move on to all the details of verse number 21. We're going to put a pause there at verse number 20. But look at the very first part of verse number 21. I do want you to notice this before we leave. He says, and when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. Did you notice verse 21? They obeyed, didn't they? They went, stood, they spoke the word of God. They did what God had asked them to do. Now, we see God's power turn in this passage. A couple applications right before we leave tonight. Without God's power, we are not as a church going to be able to accomplish our intended purpose. 
We've got to have God's power. As we move into 2023, would you ask God for His power in your life? Would you ask God for His power in your family? Don't, don't try to accomplish the task that God has called you to do without His power. Without it, we cannot accomplish what God has intended for us to accomplish here as a church and in our lives and our families either. And the other great truth we see from the start of Acts chapter 5 to the middle part where we've left off here in verse number 20 is the fact that sin takes power away, doesn't it? Sin takes power away. And so if we're making that statement that we cannot accomplish God's intended purpose without power, is there something that stands in the way of you having the power that God wants you to have? Tonight, would there be sin that needs to be confessed? Think about what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. Sin that was confessed, judgment of God that had to take place, and holiness was brought back. And as a result of sin that was confessed and holiness that was brought back, they were able to see God's power again. The same thing that He wants to do in our lives today, in our families and in our church. And so let's ask God to do that. Let's ask, us, let's ask Him for His power in days to come. And it, when we do, again, have times in which we might face the trials and, and the persecutions of life, although certainly we understand that what the apostles had to go through, I don't think it's certainly anywhere near that extent that we'll go through for the Lord, uh, but we're to stand and be faithful. We're to speak the truths of the Word of God to others. And as we talked about this morning from that verse that we're memorizing for January and for the year, let's be steadfast, let's be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Father, I pray that as we brought our Sunday evening message to a close tonight, Lord, that you've used challenge and encourage us tonight. And Lord, I pray that as we have a moment to reflect